<clears throat> Good afternoon. <clears throat> you hear me? Yep. of Nashville haunted by dreams that died in the gutter never were seen is anything more than a lesson to learn for those who would play for the money that they never do earn you go to auditions you hit the closed door same sorry answers you've heard before The eyes that don't see you The expression so bored They say you're not, no you're not, no you're not What we're looking for You're just not What we're looking for Yeah, you got something but you need a little something Know it when I see it, how it should sound. Oh, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not what we're looking for. Later in the evening, when I've had a few drinks. Like the frustration, settle how I think. Find my dreams still clinging to my coat, dragging me back to the silence on Music Road. They say you're not what we're looking for. Yeah, you got something, but you need a little something more. Know it when I see it And how it should sound Well, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not What we're looking for You're just not What we're looking for Oh, you got something But you need a little something more Know it when I see it And how it should sound you're not where you're not, no, you're not what we're looking for. Well, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not what we're looking for. That was Streets of Nashville by David Childers from his 2020 record, Interstate Lullaby. David and his band, The Serpents, will play Carolina Indie Fest on Saturday, September 24th at Hugger Mugger Brewing in downtown Sanford. For more information about Carolina Indie Fest, visit huggermuggerbrewing.com. Here's our interview now with David. Our guest this week is David Childers, who's uh, who will be performing with his, with his band at Carolina Indie Fest on 
uh, I believe it's the Saturday. And uh, I hope so because that's what I got on my calendar. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So, David, you're from you're in uh, Mount Holly, North Carolina. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about? Um, obviously, you've had a lengthy career playing music and writing songs and a whole bunch of different iterations of your band, but just tell us about your background and you know how how you describe your music. Uh, you know, I don't really know how to describe my music. I, you know, I, there was music I liked. Uh, really started getting into as an adolescent, like uh, folk music. My mom had a lot of folk music records, and I had a beat neck uncle from uh, Memphis, and he'd bring around a lot of cool stuff. And uh, so, and I never really thought, you know, much about playing music. I more listened to it, but mm -hmm. I guess it's folk music, you know, or folk rock. Um, it's just what I what I play, and. Um, but you know, I, the music I like is basically rock and roll, old rock and roll. Mm -hmm. uh, I like jazz, but I can't play that. That's <laughs> probably why I like it because I can't uh, harness it. But um, you know, the the band I play a lot of solo with the guitar and the harmonica, mm -hmm. and I write songs, uh, uh, and uh, I play a lot of other people's songs too. Um, I don't. I don't really care who wrote it because I, I play a lot of live gigs. Mm -hmm. Anything from solo to like five piece. The band I have now is a drummer. Um, my son Robert Childers, uh, a bass player. He plays stand up and electronical bass. Okay. Corey Dudley and uh, we'll have a fiddle player with us in Sanford. His name's Jeffrey White. Jeff's very. He's a uh, plays a whole lot around Charlotte mm -hmm. and we're all musicians, you know, that play a good deal. It's uh, a very important part of our life. Um, you know, that's what I do. I do that probably three, sometimes four days a week. Um, I actually spend more time painting. Uh, I kind of developed, uh, you know, a network of people that buy my art. I don't know how long that'll last, but uh, that's uh, very helpful. And it's, um, you know, as far as a career, I, I don't know how to even comment on any of that. I, I just I started playing out uh, live when I was in college. And uh, I did it off and on and uh, with various degrees of aspiration. And finally, when I was in my 40s, I... Uh, I was playing a lot of like uh, industrial league basketball and softball. And, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing this for? You know, you should be playing music. This is bullshit. No. Yeah. And my son got at the same time, we're very linked musically because he's my drummer and uh, kind of my, uh, an inspiration and a nemesis at times. But uh, <laughs> he was playing football, you know, high school football. And he was like, hey, I ain't doing this anymore. You know, I'm going to be a rock and roll dude. And that's what he set out to do. So, uh, but I don't know, you know, I can't really comment on, on my, uh, career. Uh, if you call it that, I've, I've just played music. A whole while. I was, a, I was an attorney for 35 years. That jumped out at me and reading well, about it took you. a bit of time and, uh, uh, I don't do that anymore. And, 
Uh, I don't even like to to think about it. <laughs> but, but you know, that was an important part of my life. But I was at one point I started where I was playing music a lot and doing that. And uh, fortunately, uh, I married a, a lady that's very uh, intelligent and capable, and uh, we wound up working together and you know, kind of making it a good thing for a right. while. I wanted to ask about that, you know, what it must be like to to have a long career in something like law and, and then make the decision to kind of just give that up and jump into to an artistic pursuit like playing music. It's got to be gratifying, but it's got to be a little scary as well. It's scary as hell. Yeah. I mean, uh, oh, but see, I had a, I had a, a, a child come along. I was doing like, Arts Council grants and uh, what they used to have called visiting artists. They would have that in cities. I did that in Wilmington and Shelby. Okay. Charlotte, I got to do a good bit of work there and in Fayetteville. <clears throat> but then I had a son born and it's like, dude, you know, you got to pick it up. My dad was a lawyer and he was always, you know, pushing on me and I resisted it. But uh, after I spent about... Uh, three weeks uh, trapped in an office at a technical college, you know, being told, this is where you got to stay. And that ain't how I create. So I said, you know, I, I'm going to do something else. So I wound up going to law school and doing that for 35 years. And, um, I kind of got, you know, I just, there were things I would and wouldn't do. And uh, I wound up, what I was doing kind of ran out. And by that time, I was said, look, I'm just going to go full-time playing music. And my wife backed me up on That's great to have that kind of I'm support. I'm not going into a lot of details, though, because, you know, to me, it's just uh, something I really want to forget. I don't even like to. <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm serious. Yeah. It was, uh, some of it was fun. Some of it was terrifying. And uh, there you go. <laughs> Matt Locke, no more. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned you're going to have a fiddle player with you and you know looking at some of your performances on youtube you've you've got different different lineups at different times can you talk about what people can expect who come to see you in september well um i hope we'll be on top of our game and that will mean that uh you'll have a rhythm section that's really locked in uh the beat is very important um in what we do and uh I play uh, I play a lot more rhythm guitar. I'll be doing I'll be doing most of the lead the singing, but uh, Corey and Robert they also pitch in a lot. Uh, the fiddle player um, very energetic, uh, creative. He's uh, more of a jazz type or okay. uh, kind of like you know uh, Django Reinhardt. In fact, he's in a band I think called Django Reinhardt. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Stephen Caprelli, whatever that dude's name, Grappelli, that kind of that kind of fiddle more. And uh, you know, it'll rock. We like we like uh, to play very energetically. Uh, you know, rock and roll, country, um, and uh, you know, we hope people will, you know, maybe get off their asses and dance some because <laughs> we get that going a lot down here. Yeah. We play a lot of breweries and. Uh, private parties so you know when you're doing three hours you you want to keep people interested oh yeah well you, you've got a lot to draw from i mean you said that you 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 do a lot of covers but i mean looking at your discography there's 
something like 12 or 15 albums. That's uh that's that's pretty impressive. Well, thank you. I, I don't I don't know how many there are. Yeah, I mean there's certain songs that that have stuck with me, you know, for going on maybe 25, 30 years now. Maybe some longer than that. Um and then but I, I just uh you know I keep I keep writing and uh but it's just not that big a deal to me anymore because I got a lot of other songs I want to learn to play before I die. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's not too far off from me. Well, I turned 71 on uh, Sunday. Oh, well, so, happy birthday. Uh, yeah, well, thank you. I hope I have at least 20 more. I hear you. Uh, I checked out um, the latest album, Interstate Lullaby, and um was really, really impressed. I'd, I thought... You know, it's it's paced really well. Um, I think it builds steam and it, it's got, you know, you have this um, this sort of spoken word poetic track. And then there's these musical interludes that I thought were, were really cool. Is is the pacing, the order of the songs, the way they're presented, was that something that you, you put a lot of thought into or did they just kind of flow as they went? Well, you know, now we're, I've done a couple of, albums with Dolph Ramsor. Dolph's a very creative guy. He really determines the flow of the record. Mm -hmm. um, I don't particularly enjoy recording. Um, I like, you know, going in there and playing, but as far as what goes on afterwards, um, number one, I don't think I'm qualified to, to really uh, say much about it. And number two, I don't really care because, you know, to me, it's more about the moment. And what's going on when you're creating the music in the moment, particularly in a live setting, that's where music's alive. But recordings are great. I mean, you know, if you if you don't have some somebody live there playing, it's a pleasure in its own. But I don't really, uh, I don't listen to my records after they're done, and uh, I'm glad you like it. Um, what I remember of it, it was, uh, I was very pleased by it. Yeah. I wanted to ask, um, you know, that last record, you said you don't listen to your stuff after it's after it's done. But that, it, this came out two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Is there is there more stuff playing, more stuff coming or do you just. Yeah, we got one. We, we, we've we've just about finished one um, again with Dolph producing it, uh, doing it live. But now we're getting into some or they're getting into doing some overdubs. And I don't give a damn, you know, if they do or not. That's fine. That stuff usually comes out great. Interstate, though, we didn't do any overdubs. That's just straight live. You know, oh, if you wow. heard us playing, you know, in uh, Free Range Brewing or somewhere, you know, and we were really on this how it sounded. Because we just kept playing them over and over. You know, the way uh, I guess Chuck Berry did it and uh, the way, uh, you know, all we recording was done for a while Dolph's big into field recording that's how we got working together he would come to my house and uh we'd you know I'd sit down and he'd record me playing and then uh we made a record of back in the early part of this century um blessed in an unusual way uh which was made up of you know just uh field recordings like that uh-huh I mean, if you like Interstate Lullaby, go back and check that one out. I will, I will. I, I attribute that. I mean, I attribute at least 50, 60% of that to, 
to Dolph Ramsor for taking those pieces, you know, and building this this record. Uh, another thing I noticed um, is that the your songs are are pretty short. They're they're kind of to the point. And and on your website there was a, a quote about um, kind of you said something to the effect of you know when it comes to songwriting, sometimes saying less is saying more, and you could tell a story better by by knowing you know when it's done, when when to stop. Um, is that a conscious decision to to write you know these songs that are between two, three and a half minutes, or is, is this just the way it comes out for you? Both. It's both. Um, um, I think I developed into that. If you know, if you listen to a record like Time Machine, mm-hmm. there's, there's some songs on there like five, six minutes long. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I get bored with, with real long songs. It's just me, though. Mm-hmm. I'm always you know, if it's something like Miles Davis, you know, uh, going on for for two minutes, I don't mind that. But you know, I just a folk song that goes that long kind of gets very boring to me, or a rock and roll song. I think it, I think it takes confidence. I'm always impressed by you know when a, a song says what it has to say and and kind of stops there and it. I, I just appreciate that kind of songwriting. So that's that's one thing that well, really jumped you. out at me. I, you know, I studied uh, writing, um, like in in college and graduate school, and um, also as an attorney. In the last few years of my uh, so-called career, I was I sat right here where I am now, and mostly reviewed medical records, and I wrote briefs um, for uh, judges to read. You had to convince them to pay my clients uh, disability benefit. And it was pretty damn fun. But, I mean, honestly, I did enjoy that. Um, but I learned there to be very concise. Um, and uh, I wish I would have learned it sooner in life. But, uh, you know, in writing, I guess I seem to remember Ezra Pound, you know, uh, saying, you know, don't use so many words, basically you know, trim it down to the essential. Right. Um, and I got credits, you know, around here, like my son and my wife, you know, they, uh, I'll listen to them and, you know, they'll, they'll point out my verbosity or whatever arises. Another thing that I saw that you, you spoke a little bit about was sort of taking inspiration from from people that you know, or people that, that talk to you or get in touch with you, you know, when it comes to writing your songs, how, how does that work? Do you, do you seek out prompts from people or do you just end no. up in conversation and, and see the inspiration there? How does that work for you? They usually come up and slap me in the face. That's, that's <laughs> how it is. I mean, I, I see images that uh, stick with me or I'll hear stories. Um, I used to go back, you know, and like retail. Well, I'd have done that like Camp Ladder Shuffle on uh, Interstate Lullaby. That was about a couple shootings that happened in one night here back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't really tell too many stories like that anymore. Um, I, you know, I really don't know. Um, I don't know what the process is. Um, I'll, I'll write stuff, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and write something and not know I've done it. Um, 
I don't drink anymore, but I used to <laughs> do that a lot. You know, I would find stuff I'd written while I was drunk as hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Some of it was pretty good. Most of it wasn't. Well, you know, so that, you know I, honestly, I spend a lot more time um, painting than I do writing songs now. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's how it is. But I have, I've got to crank down a few more. And we got a record that, um, that I think it has songs I believe in, but we're doing some cover songs on it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're doing a song Prince wrote, uh, Never Take the Place of Your Man, uh, John Prine's song, mm. um, a song from that the Gourds used to do, written by Max Johnston. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I just want to do, you know, kind of have fun with what I'm doing. And I think if you're having fun making music, uh, it's going to translate into the, uh, to the sound. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, David, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Is there anything that you want to add? Is there, uh, I mean, do you want to? Do you want to tell people where they can find your music? Um, anything of that sort? Well, you can go to davidchilders.com. Okay. And uh, you should be able to connect to uh, the Ramsour Records record store. And uh, I've never done it myself, but um, I think there is a thing on there you can click. I mean, you could also check out Ramsour Records, R-A-M-S-E-U-R, just like that little town up the road from y'all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you'll find some other, you know, interesting th- other interesting things there, and other artists. Great. Well, look, thank you again for joining us. I am really looking forward to seeing you play, and um, I'll make sure to come introduce myself when we see you. Well, I thank you very much for taking the time.
Key in Her Pocket by David Childers and the Serpents, who are performing Saturday, September 24th at Carolina Indie Fest at Hugger Mugger Brewing in downtown Sanford. For more information about Carolina Indie Fest, visit huggermuggerbrewing.com. Man, that guy's really good. And of course, they're playing right before World Control. <laughs> you just interviewed David Childers, a uh, folk musician and uh, very, uh, very laid back guy, as you'll see in the interview. I was yeah. uh, not expecting, <laughs> not expecting that, but uh, you listen to his music and you see him, you see him perform and videos that I've seen. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a little more energetic, <laughs> I guess, uh, on stage um i went to his website went to his website and he's performing with the avid brothers yeah yeah he's he's definitely connected to them um but that that's you know there is a uh i think a type of person that's suited to be a musician that is you know often very laid back when they're not doing their music and then when they are doing their music it's it's time to explode it reminds me of an old editor i had named bruce just uh yeah it was you know <laughs> everything was bullshit and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's just kind of you know just a, a good guy so i uh i enjoyed listening to the two of you talk and i think i think uh everybody who listens will enjoy that interview um inter- interested in, in seeing him play uh and then i'm interested in seeing the the uh <laughs> side by side of your music to his after you <laughs> after you guys take the stage we have been getting prepared we're, we're getting there we're okay. getting there let's talk about that uh i know you don't you don't like to talk a whole lot about your side gig here but uh gordon anderson is um uh front man in a in a punk rock band it's Ort Patrol. Mm-hmm. And they will be performing uh, as one of the 10 featured artists at uh, next month's um, Carolina Indie Fest, which will be the, the second annual event uh, run by a different crew this time. And we won't get into all that, but it's it's being hosted by Hugger Mugger. And uh, I've seen Gordon perform before with, with his old band, Dr. Powerful, but... Uh, um, you don't do a whole lot of live performing, or at least you haven't in the last 10 or 15 years. So um, when you guys rest to do this, I understand um, you were excited about it and uh, you guys have been practicing for it. So you're about a month away. How are you feeling? Um, I'm pretty good. It's, um, it's exciting to be doing this again. It's uh We've, we've performed live once. That was in November 2019 in Chapel Hill um, at an event called Eddie Fest. Um, and for the most part, Orc Patrol has been more of a, you know, kind of a recording project, a vehicle to, a, a way to keep doing music without, um, you know, having all of the members of my band in the same town and being able to get together every week and and stay ready 
So the last couple months have shifted from getting together to record or goof around to uh, to getting a set together and and honing it and getting to where we some, feel some comfortable you, performing. Yeah, some of you live, you know, more than an hour away. Are you able to get together on Zoom? Does that work at all? Um, if, that's uh, that, that's possible, but I don't really have the technical know-how to to put together like a Zoom performance, like a lot of these bands were doing in during the pandemic. Yeah, I did. I saw a lot of that, and they all had, you know, they were all recording from their from their studios. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess that would be tough, especially with Zoom's limited audio capabilities. Yeah, and condenses I'm, everything so much. And I'm kind of blown away by uh, how good a lot of it sounds. Although I suspect they're probably not using Zoom's audio. No, yeah, they're, they're using their own, right? Yeah, they're they're recording their parts set each at home separately, and um, and then using mashing Zoom them all. as a way to keep the beat. Yeah, I, I think so. But um. But no, we're no, we're we're excited. Um, we've they asked us to have an hour's worth of music ready, so really have kind of dug into a lot of the recordings I've done over the last. Yeah, ten, you told ten me years. last month. You told me last month they told you an hour, and you looked, and you guys had eight minutes of material. So I hope. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of tuning between songs. <laughs> a lot of storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> When I was listening to David Childers to get ready for the interview, I, I saw that he was playing right ahead of us, and this, it absolutely mirrors um, uh, the time that we performed in 2019 when a band from Durham, sort of a soul hip hop rock group called The Materials, they played right in front of us, and it was they were so good, and um, I just felt like. You know, you've got these really competent, awesome musicians who play in a range of styles, and then a bunch of 40-something man-children are going to get up on stage and play a bunch of science fiction-themed pop-punk songs. Yeah, but you undersell yourself, which... Oh, yeah. Which, uh, I know I know you do that as a defense mechanism, but... That's right. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure. uncomfortable <laughs> accepting compliments. <laughs> But I'm sure I'm sure they watch you and they think, you know, you're Boy, a this, this, too. This, this, this show would have been a lot better with someone else. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, no. I don't know. No, do, no. Do, do you musicians I, do that? Do you judge other musicians as you watch them and and talk about how how um, good or how terrible they are, or does none of that? You every, know, or are every, you all very supportive? Everybody does that. I think especially when i was a lot younger you kind of see other bands and you're like man that ain't they ain't, they ain't all that but <laughs> you know the older i get no like i can appreciate all kinds of different things and be blown away by all kinds of different things and and see somebody who approaches this thing i do totally the, the this thing i also do in a totally different way um and you know it's music's a really personal thing so it's fun to yeah. watch what other people make out of their muse. Well, we haven't done one of these podcasts in a while. And um, yeah, we took July off. Um, yeah, that's what we usually do that. We usually 
kind of go silent during the summer and then we ramp things back up. But this is a good good opportunity to say sort of why now, because we will be interviewing as many of the performing artists at Carolina Indie Fest in the lead up to that event, which is which is September 23rd and 24th. There are 10 bands performing at Hugger Mugger Brewing over those two days. Four bands on Friday the 23rd, starting at 5 p.m. And six bands on Saturday the 24th, starting at 3 p.m. It's a free event, and it's it's lots of different types of music, so I think there's kind of something for everyone. We did a lot of promotion for the Indie Fest last year, and then we did even more promotion for the... Um, for the Wampus Cat Festival that followed, and I'm sure everybody already knows this, but uh, the group that put on those two those two concerts eventually went bankrupt when Wampus Cat um, was initially delayed and then outright canceled. And uh, I, I think a lot of people who are hearing about Carolina Indie Fest now, maybe they aren't putting two and two together. Maybe they aren't. Um, realizing that it was the same group, but uh, this this iteration of Indie Fest has been just taken over by uh, Tim Emmert and um, Hugger Mugger Brewing, and and uh, is not related in any way except by name to the organization that ran the the previous concerts. But I think Tim saw how well last year's event did downtown. It was the first one, and I think over two days there were, um, I don't know, what what was the official number that you heard? Was it 10,000, 5,000, something like that? Something, something like 10,000, eight to 10,000 people over two days. And, and it was spread out. You know, It wasn't all at once, but you and I um, were there in the middle of the first day. I think it was that Saturday, and we saw a stretch of concerts that had um, – a pretty good crowd on on uh, Wicker Street at the time, and I think you and I both thought that uh, you know that this is the downtown Sanford had always had that kind of potential for for music, and it was a shame it originally when we, when we thought this was leaving. But it, I think it's good that he's bringing it back, and I think it's uh, I think he saw something in last year's event that said this could work. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was super depressing when I heard that it would not be happening. But I was excited when one that I, I heard they got the they they obtained the rights to the name Carolina Indie Fest and would be putting it on themselves and you know, frankly honored to be asked to participate. Going back real quick to Wampus Cat, you and I are on record a number of times, probably on this podcast asking. Um, how in the world are they going to do this? <laughs> and the answer was they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, well. That's a I'm disappointment. Happening. Yeah. 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 I'm glad this one's happening. Um, I There isn't a whole lot to talk about, I, I don't think. And uh, I know that the interview ran and, and there's not a whole lot of time left. I did want to talk, though, about something that's happening at the end of this month. And that is the rant and our first appearance at the upcoming uh, North Carolina Press Association Awards Banquet. 
uh, coming up at the end of August. And um, and I'm not, I don't want to talk about it because of the awards. We want a couple, and I think we can do better than that in, in, the, in the coming years. But the fact that we are returning to this world of journalism is pretty interesting to me because you and I both left it about uh, 11 to 13 years ago. And so a lot of the same people who were around 13 years ago and at these banquets are still at, are still going to this thing. And I'm interested in seeing some of the people who I run into, but uh, I'm also interested in just the way journalism has changed since then. And there's a lot of people that you and I know who used to be in the daily newspaper business who have gone on and done things kind of like what we've done, which is a startup or a, uh, or a website first type of news delivery system, uh, which was how the rant started, but then we ended up going to, to printed uh, publications after that. But I'm just really interested in seeing how things have changed in the last uh, 13 years. And I don't know, I guess I'm pretty excited about this. I'm, I'm excited too. I, I don't really know a lot of those people, um, uh, or I think maybe at least not as many as you do. I think you're going, you're, it's going to surprise you because, you know, uh, these are lifers. A lot of these people, are, which is what I thought I was going to be, but a lot of these people are in it for the long haul. And I think you're going to, you're going to see a lot of people you recognize here. I mean, a lot, I, of, under, I, a lot of underpaid 20 year olds too. <laughs> right. Right. When can we announce our, our awards? I, they never gave us an embargo really, but usually people print that article the night of, or the night after the day after, you know, they usually wait till the event, but when they announced it, I don't think that there was any kind of note saying this is embargoed until August 26th. Um, so who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We did, we did okay. We did okay for our first time. Um, we won a couple categories that, that I thought we had a good chance in. We won a couple that I was a little surprised about. Uh, you know, back when we were at the Herald, we won, we won um, dozens of awards. And it was a huge deal for us because we were, you know, we weren't making a lot of money then. And so that's really all that mattered was the other things. Right. The praise, I guess, and the awards. Um, it's, it's, nice, it's nice to be yeah. recognized. It is. And this feels this feels different than that because when we won those awards in the past, we were working for somebody and winning them as the rant, as, as something that we, that we built, even if we didn't really set out to build it. Um, yeah. It, it feels different, you know? And we're only going to the banquet. So I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of, have a whole lot of opportunity for small talk with people, but um but I wonder how people view what we've done and uh, if, you know, what questions they may have. So, but like I said, a lot of people who used to be at the NNO and some of these other publications have gone on to do something very similar. So I don't know, like I have, I really have no idea what to expect. And uh, I, on, this, on our next podcast, if it's after that or whatever one comes after that, uh, I'm excited to share what I've learned about the industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think a lot of, I think outside of Lee County, I don't think a whole lot of people really know that we exist and nor should they. I mean, 
it's not like we are, you know, doing a whole lot of statewide stories or, or national stories, but I'm just curious if anybody's paying attention. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Your who? The Grant? Who? The Rant? What kind of stupid name is that? And why are you two wearing orange and light blue tuxedos? <laughs>